have your Bibles this morning, open them up to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And I'm going to be reading from verses 4 through 18 this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to break some more bread this morning. Amen. The word of God, Jesus, the bread of life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right. Verse 4 of Luke 8. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by, by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And, other fe- and others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock, uh, they on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy. And these have no root, uh, root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation or trials fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And bring no fruit to perfection or completion. But that on good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covers it with a vessel, or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be made known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever has, to him shall be given. And whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away, even that which he has. Hallelujah. Today, I want to pull some points out that the Holy Spirit has given me uh, about the parable of the sower this morning. Now, a parable, for those who don't know, a parable is simply this. It's defined as a short narrative or story illustrating some aspect of truth. It's a short narrative or story illustrating some aspect of truth. Illustrations, parables, are very effective and powerful tool. Uh, It takes an example from the natural realm, and it conveys a spiritual truth. You understand? Now, when Jesus walked this earth, he told many parables to illustrate the truths about the kingdom of God. How many of you know Jesus was the ultimate communicator? Amen? And uh, so people would come from all over to hear the master speak and teach the word of God and him tell these parables. And uh, the parable of the sower is a story that illustrates truth, truths about preaching the gospel and the results of preaching the gospel. Um, So let's start here. Verse 5. Verse 5 refers to the word of God as the seed. And the person sowing the seed or speaking the seed is the Christian who is sharing the word of God. They're sharing Jesus with others. They're talking about the word with others. Now, it's interesting, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, this is a scripture I point to a lot because it's powerful. And it just so happened to tie in today with what the Holy Spirit gave me. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, said, I have planted, 
Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And it's interesting, the word of God in this parable, Jesus referred it to as a seed. And Paul said, I have planted. What, is he, what are you talking about, Paul? What did you plant? The word of God. Well, what do you mean? What did you water? The seed of the word in the person's heart. And then God gave the increase. Now, I want to say this. We are not to determine who needs to hear the word of God or not. We are just supposed to be obedient and sow seed. Speak the word. Uh, we're not supposed to say, well, this person doesn't need to hear it. or this. Or, we're supposed to sow seed. Uh, the results are not up to us, by the way. The results of sowing that seed is not up to us. It says God gave the increase, right? We as Christians, put this in your, in your memory. We as Christians are simply farmers in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? Well, we plant the seed and we water it. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 uh, gives a three-step process here. Planting the seed, watering the seed, and God gives the increase. And as I said before, I see new faces here again. Two-thirds of that process is our responsibility. Two-thirds of the process is our responsibility. And only one-third is God's responsibility. I would say we carry a, a pretty big responsibility on this earth. Amen? Now, when you plant a seed, you as the sower have, as I said, has no control of the increase. You have no control of how fast the seed grows. And that's why it says God gives the increase. Uh, we have to, but listen now, we have to plant and water the seed to give God something to work with. Let me say that again. We have to plant and water the seed in a person's heart to give God something to work with. We got to give him something to increase. If no one's sharing the word of God with someone, well, there's nothing in that person's heart to grow. There's nothing to increase, right? And uh, so, uh, as I said, the sower is referring to Christians. It's not just talking about those who are in full-time ministry. Many people who read that say, oh, that's just talking about the five-fold ministries. Pastors, evangelists, teachers, prophets. No, no. No, it's not talking about that. The sower is referring to every Christian on this earth. If you are a Christian, you're a preacher. Come on now. If you're a Christian, you're a preacher. Being a preacher means that you're sharing Jesus. You're sharing the word of God with other people. That's all it means. And uh, so we as Christians, we need to think of ourselves as preachers of the gospel. Not always just pushing it off to the five-fold ministry, the full-time pastors and all that. If that was the case, the gospel would be very much hindered on this earth, right? Because come on, uh, chances are... Uh, the secular companies out there aren't going to invite me, a pastor, in there to preach the word of God. But what does God do? He raises up CIA agents. He raises up you who work in that plant, you who work in that factory, you who work in that company, you the Christian who works there, your secret undercover agents. Amen? Amen. And the devil hates that. <laughs> Amen. So we are preachers. Just get that in your mind right now. That's one thing Rama drilled in our heads. Said, you are a preacher. Whether you're a full-time pastor or not, you're a preacher. God looks at you and I as Christians as preachers. Amen. Say, I'm a preacher. There you go. Now get it down in your spirit next time. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Now, some of the results of, of preaching the word. I want to I get into this here. Some seed that you sow as a preacher will fall along the wayside, that parable says. In verse 12, it says, Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Now, just expect this now. There's going to be some people that you share the gospel with that are going to totally reject what you're saying. 
Well, that's what it's saying. Some seed you sow is going to fall along the wayside. And whatever you do sow, the devil's going to come on in and take what you even tried to sow. So don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged if you get rejected. Amen? We're still supposed to be farmers. We're farmers. We're supposed to sow that seed. Amen? And, uh, and so Satan and demonic spirits come immediately to steal the seed of the word. And by the way, if you're an unbeliever today, you need to know that there's a real devil, that there's a real hell. And uh, they would love nothing more than for you to spend eternity in hell. Let me just read a scripture for those who might be listening on the radio and uh, who maybe never even heard this scripture. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 4. Jesus said, the devil, the enemy, comes and steals the seed. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 through 4, but if our gospel, the word gospel literally means good news. Now, who in the world would reject good news? Amen. It's a supernatural blinding here. But if our gospel, our good news be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world, notice it's a small g, it's talking about the God of this world, the devil, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. How? He steals the seed that was planted in their hearts. Lest the light of the glorious good news or gospel of Christ is the, uh, who is the image of God should shine unto them. So we can see that the enemy has, has an agenda. He's, he's the seed eater, if you will. Any seed that you try to plant, the devil's right there trying to steal it. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, so it's deception from the enemy that's blinding you, the unbeliever, from the truth of the gospel. He makes you think that you can just put it off, put it off. Oh, I'll do it later. Or, hey, if I become a Christian, I'm not going to be able to have as much fun in life. Deception. It's deception from the enemy, and there lies from the pits of hell. Amen? So some seed, farmers, preachers, some seed that you sow is going to go along the wayside, but keep on sowing. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, some seed will fall upon a rock, Jesus said. Uh, verse 13 it says, they on the rock, or the seed that fell on the rock, which when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, fall away. Uh, now, so it's interesting. They hear the word. They receive the word. They even receive the word with joy. Well, what's the problem? It says they have no root. You know, when you try to put a seed on a rock, try putting a seed on the rock or on the cement and just water it, you know, it'll start to grow, but eventually the sun's going to hit it and scorch it and it's, it's not going to grow anymore, right? It's going to die. So these people, and, and I believe now we're starting to get into talking even about Christians, I think Jesus is talking about. Amen. I think the first thing that I told you about there, about those that fall along the wayside, I think that's kind of talking, that's really talking about the unsaved. Now, as we get into it, I think Jesus was kind of changing the table a little bit and saying, now I'm going to talk a little bit about my followers. And you'll see what I'm talking about in a minute. These people, okay, they have no root in the word of God. Uh, these are the Christians that don't have that level of commitment that's needed to be a true disciple or follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, you could call them lazy Christians, right? They just come, put their time in on Sunday, and that's it. Uh, and so they hear the word, and they receive it. They might hear me preach. You know, they might hear me preach about healing and deliverance and, and all of the benefits, prosperity, the benefits. So, sure, it's exciting to hear about all the benefits of the word, but are they willing to do what it takes to get the job done and receive those blessings? You know what I'm talking about, Christians? They get all excited when they hear it, but because there's no root, they just go back up. And as Proverbs says, the dog returns to his own vomit. Back to the way they used to live. Backslide. 
John 15, 4. Turn there with me. John 15, verse 4. The words are in red. Well, what does that mean with the, when the words are in red in the Bible? It's Jesus doing the talking. John 15, the Gospel of John 15, verse 4. If you're there, say amen. That's a majority. All right, here we go. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. Jesus, how many of you know, Jesus is our only source of spiritual life on this earth. He's the, what he calls the vine. And uh, so he says, we are to abide in him. And as we abide in him, he abides in us. And uh, this means, what does it mean to abide? It means to remain with, to dwell with, to continue with day by day. Not just a one-time experience. And um, so this means to stay connected or plugged into him by feeding on his word every day. By obeying it in every aspect of our lives. Not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Amen? And Jesus went on to say that without abiding in him, without daily walking with him, without daily examining your heart and, and obeying the word of God, he said that we will not be able to bear fruit in our lives. At least good fruit. You might bear some fruit, but it might not be good fruit. Amen? And uh, so... In a nutshell, Jesus is saying, unless you're connected with me, unless you make me the Lord of every area of your life, there will be no accomplishment in your life that's long-lasting or worth anything apart from me. That's what Jesus is saying. Go to Colossians 2. Colossians chapter 2. Verses 6 through 7. I'm talking about being plugged into the life source, Jesus. Amen? All right. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. It says, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Interesting, it says in him. Abide in him. And the word walk, I have underlined in my Bible with a little line to it that says action. Walking in him, it means action. That you're putting the word into action in your life. And then verse 7. Rooted and built up in him. There's in him. And established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. See, you can only be established in the faith. By being rooted and built up in him. Hallelujah. You have to abide in Jesus. Daily walk with him. Amen? He's ready to help you out in any situation that you have. Anything outside of Jesus and his teachings, there is no foundation, no root at all. Amen? Now, I believe one of the problems with these kinds of Christians who have no root, uh, I believe is that some of these people, it's just more head knowledge than heart knowledge. The Word of God is just more of a head knowledge kind of thing. Yeah, they know about it, but it's not in their heart. It's not in their spirit. And uh, they, they haven't allowed the Word of God to govern what they think, say, and do. See? Even the devil quotes scriptures. Isn't that right? In fact, devil knows scripture probably better than you and I this morning. Uh, but listen now, so they haven't allowed the head knowledge to drop down into their spirit, into their heart. And, uh, I believe another one of the problems now with these kind of Christians who have no root is that they really don't get connected with a good Bible believing church. Well, let me say that again. I believe another, another problem with these kind of Christians who don't have a root now that they don't get connected to a good Bible-believing church. I'm not just talking about attending. 
I'm talking about connecting with. Um, now, some Christians don't stay at a church long enough to even grow roots. Can you say amen? I, I have a word for them now. Floaters. <laughs> Floaters. They just jump church to church, and then they wonder why God isn't opening doors of opportunity for them to be used. Uh, they don't have any root. See, to, to grow a root, you have to, you have to get planted. You have to be somewhere and, and really get connected. And now, i got to say this. As a pastor, one of the most frustrating things for a pastor, for a minister of the gospel, is to see people show up to church once every three or four months. Now, now you got to understand me now. I'm not talking about those people who have physical issues and they're not able to make it. I'm not even talking about those people who have a job and, and they have to work a job. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the people who are, who are able to come, but they just don't. And you might see them once every three or four months. And uh, so, you know, you got to understand this, though. That's not a cut-down comment because you understand a pastor's heart. A pastor's heart, the Holy Spirit plants a desire in a pastor to see people grow spiritually. That brings joy. That's what a pastor lives for. I take joy in helping people grow spiritually. But it is impossible for a person to grow spiritually when they show up four times a year. Can you say amen to that? So I'm not cutting people down. What I'm saying is, don't expect to grow spiritually if you're coming four times a year. Oh, it's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. Oh, my. Woo. Touched a nerve, I think. See, here's the thing. Because as a pastor, I know that I can help them. If they would get planted in the house of the Lord, if they'd get planted here and sit under the word and allow me to, to help them and, and feed them the word, I know that their life can be so much better. And that's the frustration for a pastor when people just show up once in a while because my hands are tied. And so don't misunderstand me. I'm not cutting people down. But what I'm saying is, just don't expect to grow spiritually coming four or six times a year. Amen. Now, some Christians actually believe that they don't need to be connected to a church or that they don't even need to attend a local church. I'm sure you've ran into people like that before. These are some of the most rebellious Christians I've ever known. People, most rebellious people I've ever known. In fact, these are the people that are sowing division in the body of Christ instead of unity. What? Well, and uh, so, but listen to this. Go to Luke 4.16. I want to show you something. Luke 4.16. Well, if church doesn't matter much, Jesus must have been out of the loop. Jesus must have been lacking some knowledge. Listen to this. Luke 4.16. And he... Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as, underline it, his custom, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue or church on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Even the Son of God went to church every Sabbath day. <laughs> now, if Jesus, the Son of God, thought it was important to come to church every Sunday, I think we should put some stock in that. Amen? We need to be planted in the house of the Lord to, to grow some roots. Amen? Hallelujah. And I will say this, that you cannot be everything that God wants you to be as a Christian unless you are connected to a good Bible-believing church. You will not be everything that God wants you to be unless you're connected to a good local church that's feeding you the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Go to Hebrews 10. This is some good preaching. Christians need to hear this stuff. They need to hear a pastor's heart. It's not, we just don't want you to come to church because we want your money. Amen? We want you to grow spiritually. 
I want to see you prosper. I want to see you well. I want to see you do, be, becoming everything that God has for you to be on this earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the profession or confession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Even back in Bible days it said as the manner of some is. It said even back in the Bible days some didn't believe in assembling together. Well, here the Word of God is saying, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, it's a local church, we're assembling together. Amen? Amen? And then it says, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. As you see the return of Jesus Christ getting closer, it says, the so much more you need to be planted in the house of the Lord. Why? So you don't stray from the truth. And, uh, you know, there are so many Christians who, were, who had a genuine conversion, and then they've fallen away. Don't think it doesn't happen. It happens. I got to tell you this. At Rhema, when I attended Rhema, and my second year I was in the pastoral class, and they taught the pastors this, and, and other ministers probably too, that as pastors, our job is threefold. They said, this is threefold. This is your job description in a nutshell in three steps. Some of you might want to write this down. It's interesting. It says that we, number one, are to form beliefs from the word of God in people. Number one, we're to form biblical scriptural beliefs in people. That's job number one. Number two, we are to strengthen or water those beliefs in people from the Word of God. Number three, here we go. They said our third description here is to look for signs of abandonment from those biblical beliefs in people. Form biblical beliefs, strengthen them, and look for signs of abandonment from the basic doctrines in the word in your people. Interesting. Now, it's amazing to me how many people who were taught in the word that are now questioning those very things they once stood on. Their faith gets contaminated by unscriptural teaching. And the enemy uses that opportunity to pull them away from the truth. Go to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to show you something here. Look for signs of abandonment. Mm. Pastors are shepherds. We're watching over the flock, making sure they don't stray, and trying to help them get back into the pasture. Amen? First Timothy 4.1, it says this, Now the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, speaks expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons or devils. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong. To depart from something means that you were once in it. It says the Holy Spirit was speaking expressly. In other words, he's emphasizing the fact that in the latter times, people who were once Jesus's are going to stray from the truth in the word of God. Now, what is a doctrine of demons or a doctrine of devils? It's any teaching that is contrary or against the word of God. Now, when we think of doctrine of demons, we always, what comes to your mind first? Well, most of the time you think of cults like Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, the New Age, Satanism, all these things, right? But listen to me. I want to I go a step further. What about Christian churches that are teaching that God is not moving in power today? 
that God is not healing his people. Come on now. What about those churches that believe, that don't believe that in the baptism in the Holy Ghost is a second experience? What about those Christian churches that say spiritual gifts aren't for today? The truth is, those teachings are just as much as a doctrine of demons as the Jehovah's Witness and Mormons and all those other cults. Why? Because it's against the word. Get this in your spirit. Anything that's taught against the word is a doctrine of demons. Does that mean that God can't use those churches to get people saved? No. God used donkeys in the Old Testament. Come on, if they're preaching Jesus is the only way to salvation, sure, God's going to use that. But don't kid yourself. If they're not teaching the word of God, the full word of God, or they're preaching against what the Bible teaches, that's the devil. That's doctrines of demons. Because the devil, come on, put your thinking cap on. Do you think the devil wants people to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost? into flowing it do you think the devil wants spiritual gifts to be in operation of course not see we've been tiptoeing too long in the body of christ about these issues we just shoved the thing all the you know the power of god the power of god's not flowing today shove it on the rug baptism of the holy ghost is not a separate experience you know oh healing's not for today shove it under the rug do you think those teachings please God? If God didn't mean for us to teach it or to have the experience, he wouldn't have even put it in the word. Come on now. I get fired up when I talk about this because I want to see people have everything that God has for them. And we got to stop tolerating this stuff and just shoving it under the rug. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, uh, it's so important. It's so important for us Christians to fill ourselves with the word. To review the scriptures that deal about these basic teachings in the Bible. Uh, with these basic uh, doctrines of the Bible, such as the new birth, the Holy Ghost baptism, who you are in Christ, love, prayer, spiritual gifts, just naming a few. We need to constantly, even the basics, you know, I hear too many Christians say, well, I know about that. You know, I don't need to go over that again. Come on now, I want the meat. I want the meat. No, we need to constantly, we need to get our pillars, our foundation strong on the foundational things and keep it strong, keep it strong because, listen to me, if you don't review those things on a regular basis, if you don't keep feeding your faith on those things, it'll be easy for you to stray from the truth and you will fall away from everything that God has for you. Mm, come on. We need to review the basic doctrines. Now, moving on. Some seeds that you sow, the Bible says, will fall among thorns. Will fall among thorns. Look at uh, verse 14 here. And that which fell among thorns are they, which when they have heard, they go forth and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. You see, these are Christians that... They start off good. They start off well-meaning. They, they, they're excited. They get rolling. And, uh, but then things, come, things of this world overtake the spiritual life of them. And they get sidetracked, and they never develop spiritually. Their growth, their spiritual growth has been stunted. Uh, now, listen, Elizabeth and I... Last year, we had some work done on some trees uh, at our house and stuff. And the guy who was doing it, I was out there with him a little bit, he explained to me that on trees, 
that these small little branches on a tree that, that they needed to be cut off because they're called suckers, okay? And, uh, and I said, well, okay, why? You know, explain that. And he said, because these little branches, these suckers, they take from the nutrients of the main tree. And immediately I thought about this parable. Well, what are the suckers in your life that steal in your spiritual life? Your spiritual nutrients. I got to say it. We need the, to cut these suckers off in Jesus' name. <laughs> I've been wanting to say that. Boy, when I was writing this sermon, boy, I couldn't wait for that line to come around. We need to cut the suckers off in our life. Amen? Amen. Cut them off. Whatever they are, the things of this world that's pulling you away from Christ and his word. We need to ask ourselves, what is more of a priority in my life? The things of this world or spiritual? The world which is to come. See, we're to store up treasures in heaven, the Bible says. And we need to be focused on, on our spiritual life. Not neglecting the things of the natural, but priority. I'm talking about priority now. Because you can't be, you know, so heavenly minded that you're no natural good, right? We need both, the natural and the supernatural working together. But what is your priority? That's all I'm asking this morning about that. Now, and then, some seed that you sow will fall on good ground. Look at verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. And bring forth fruit with patience. Now, these Christians put the word of God as in the center of their life. And all the decisions that are made are based on the word, on the principles that are in the word of God. Uh, they have a spiritual hunger and thirst that can't be satisfied outside from a relationship with their heavenly father. Amen? Amen? And it says, it goes on to say that they bring forth fruit with patience. They understand this, that it's a day-by-day -day process. Don't expect to be a Billy Graham in a day. Don't expect to be a theologian in two days. Amen? They understand, hey, this Christian life is a process. And it says that, how, why did they bring forth fruit? Well, I think the key was patience they had patience and uh, they understood the principle of sowing and reaping that you might not see the results instantly of sowing to the spirit but they know not to get weary and well-doing for the blessing shall surely come to pass because they had patience they had patience um, and they're doers of the word of course hallelujah now look at verse 16 here as I get ready to close, it says, No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covers it with a vessel, or puts it under the bed, but he sets it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. People will see your light and my light when we put the word of God into action in our life. That's what the light is. When they see our actions, you can talk, talk, talk all you want about how much you love Jesus. But if your actions aren't building it up, there's no light. Amen. Amen. And then verse 18 says, Take heed, therefore, how you hear. For whosoever has, to him shall be given. And whosoever has not, from him shall be taken even that which he seems to have. Take heed. Jesus said, Take heed how you hear. How you hear the word of God will determine what category you fall in today from this parable. What is the ground of your heart like? Is it fallow? Is it hard? Or is it pliable? Can seed even grow a root in your heart? Let's stand this morning. Take heed how, how you hear. How do you hear the word of God? Do you hear it joyfully? 
Do you delight in the Word of God? See, all of these are factors that determine what category you fall into this morning. Now, maybe there's someone in this place who has never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. And today is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I want you to come down to this altar, and I want to pray with you to do that this morning. Maybe there's some Christians in here. You've been a Christian for a while, confessed Jesus, but, you know, you've been backslidden. You know, you're not fooling God. You know yourself that you've fallen away. But today, you're quickened in your spirit. You want to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to come down, and I want to pray with you. Next, if you have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it is a second experience. Paul asked some disciples in Acts 19, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? It is a second experience. And it's an experience to receive power, to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to receive the Holy Ghost baptism, the Bible way, I want you to come down here and I want to lay hands on you and pray with you to receive. Maybe you need a physical healing in your body. Maybe you need an emotional healing. Maybe you need just someone to pray with you about a specific situation. If that's you, I want you to come down. If you just want to seek the Lord on your own, I want you to come down and just come off to the, to the left part, your left, and just seek the Lord on your own. Prepare that ground, the ground of your heart. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands to the Lord. Is he your world? That's the question. That's what he's asking through this song right now. Are you ever, it, does he mean everything to you? prayer for healing, I want you to come forward this morning so I can lay hands on you and pray over you this morning.
anybody else need a healing in here? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just worship the Lord as this song plays. arthritis in any part of your body, lift your hand right now. In the name of Jesus, I command you arthritis to come out in Jesus' mighty name. Right now, and I speak healing to every part of that body. Every joint you be healed. Every bit of pain you come out in the name of Jesus right now. Hallelujah. healing to livers right now. Livers, I command you in the name of Jesus to be healed 
and to function properly. Function at 100% the way that God intended right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus right now. I command the spirit of infirmity that's latched onto those kidneys to come out in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. And be healed right now. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your healing touch in this place. Hallelujah. Woo. You're worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. You guys have a blessed week. Come back on Wednesday, 7 o'clock for the John Bevere, uh, a Heart Ablaze series. We're having a great time with that. If you need anything, give us a call. Have a blessed week. We love you guys. Thanks for coming today.